Ladies and gentlemen, get your stutter on. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Every week we talk movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings and break down a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen that particular movie because we'll warn you before we go into spoilers. And please stay tuned till the end for weekly recommends in which each of us suggests something that you need to check out as soon as possible. And remember, you can find all of our episodes online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's Movie of the Week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Every day I wake up knowing that the more people I try to save, the more enemies I will make. And it's just a matter of time before I face those with more power. I can overcome. So the summer movie season 2014 is finally here, guys. Yay. Feels pretty good. <laughs> well, it means we're only a year away from summer movie season of 2015. Exactly. That's, that's right. Doesn't it feel like just yesterday we were talking about uh, Iron Man 3 at the kickoff of summer movie season 2013? It does. It it's, does. Been a, it's been quite the year uh, in movies since last May. And uh, this summer has a lot to live up to. Because mm-hmm. last summer was quite the blockbustery summer. So this yes. movie, Amazing Spider-Man 2, is kicking things off. And uh, guys, why don't we kick things off with a little bit of movie news? Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! So guys, Richard, Brian. Yes. That's us. It's good to have you guys today. Anything you guys want to mention right off the top for movie news, rumors, rumblings? Well, as, as, as many of us know, uh, or many of the listeners know, um, I've never listened to the podcast, so I can't say us. <laughs> but I would say that uh, they know that we are the official podcast of Star Wars News. Yes. This, you know, this was given to us. Uh, this title was, of course, uh, put upon us by us. Right. Um, but uh, we've got potential subtitle. Have you guys seen this? I have seen it. Yeah. What, do you, what are your thoughts? You know what's great about doing this podcast like on a Tuesday? We, if, if you haven't noticed, if you've listened for a while, you probably noticed we, we post new episodes on Tuesdays. I can't even tell you how many big stories have come out yes. like Tuesday morning that we've talked yeah. about that day on the podcast in the past couple weeks, especially Star Wars news. So it seems like Tuesdays are the days that Star Wars stuff gets, gets announced. So, man, I'm glad we we're able to talk about this because this is pretty big news. So this is according to Ain't It Cool News. I believe, who first posted this rumor. Uh, potential name for Episode 7, Star Wars Episode 7, The Ancient Fear. Mm. Which yes. sounds pretty epic. Um, it does. It, it does sound like something J.J. Abrams would do, but it sounds yes. fake because of A New Hope. Right. Which, they basically just took the opposite words of A New Hope and did right. An Ancient Fear. So... Um, don't really know what to think right now, but I'm not going to be upset if that's what it's called, because I think that's way better than Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, really all the subtitles sense. are kind of lame yeah. out of context, like a new hope. It was only yeah. a new added, a new hope was added later. Yeah. Uh, 
when when the second one came out. But mm-hmm. yeah, that is a lame title. I, I don't I don't ever call it a New Hope. I don't think anyone really. No, does. They just call it. I don't think anybody did until yeah. Empire came out. Right. So. I like but the it, Empire Strikes Back. I think that's a cool name, that's just a cool because one. you know what the movie's going to be. Uh, Revenge of the Jedi or Return of the Jedi, whichever you want to call it. Um, not a very good name. Revenge of the Sith. Also not good because they've already done that with Return or Revenge of the Jedi. Uh, Phantom Menace absolutely makes no sense because no one knows who the Phantom Menace is or who (laughs) Lucas is referring to. And Lucas himself uh, didn't even know what to call the movie when it was done, which I'll talk a little bit more about in Weekly Recommends, so teaser there. But I'm not going to be too upset because it actually makes more sense than than the others because of how they're trying to play off the old trilogy. But those are my thoughts. Brian, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I I don't really care what the uh, what the title of the movie's going to be. Honestly, like it, like you said, it can't be worse than Attack of the Clones. The only reason that I the only reason that I really have any very much interest in the whole thing is from a review standpoint. I just got done writing a Spider Man Two review for uh, for my website, and I had to constant like every time I referenced the movie by name, I had to type out the Amazing Spider Man Two, and that yeah. started to get kind of frustrating. So if you can give me a uh, like Winter Soldier, like Captain America did, or something like that, that mm. uh, helps from that standpoint. Empire um, Jedi. Yes, exactly, exactly. Much much easier. So give me something like that. Uh, Ancient Fear does sound kind of fake to me. Um, but you know, look, if it, if it happens that that's the name of the film, it's cert- even if I hate it, it's not going to keep me from seeing it. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I guess we'll see once it comes out, but I think JJ is such a, he's uh very, I think he's very well known for being secretive and whatnot. So, um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's just a super fake name that they have on the front of the scripts. And then it turns out to be something much different entirely. Yeah, and, and, and Brian, the bummer for you and I is that they stole this subtitle from the upcoming movie we were going to make about the ocean. <laughs> right, yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. You see that and goblin shark they pulled out of yes. there? Uh, yeah. Yes, horrifying. <laughs> don't, don't go in the ocean, kids. Richard and, and I are going to – our next podcast is just going to be a fear of ocean and forest podcast. It's going to be – Kind of yeah. dark, honestly. It's not going to be great, but um, yeah, that's a good. That would be a good title for an ocean movie. You're right. I'm going on a cruise in December, and uh, we were looking at, you know, activities to do. And my girlfriend's like, "We could scuba," and I was like, hey, "Go nuts! I'll be. <laughs> you're lucky you're even getting me on the boat, Seriously. much less into the water." Yeah. I'll uh, I'll be safely uh, on on the boat or ashore, one or the other. Yeah, yes, exactly. Not yeah. snorkeling or scubing or no. anything in <laughs> with the ocean. Is not. Maybe fishing. I yeah, fishing. Of- fishing good. Everything else, no, thank you. Yeah, I want nothing to do with it. Yep. Well, this anyway. ties perfectly into movie news. All uh, right, Richard, you'll be happy to know that uh, James Cameron's long-awaited Deep Sea 3D documentary is going to hit theaters this year, uh, August 8th. That just I got mean, announced today. Yes. Like, I love that stuff. That's where Brian and I are the same. <laughs> I watch that stuff. Like mo- I don't watch horror movies. They just kind of bore me. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't share that love like you have, Kent. And to me, Deep Sea documentaries are my horror movies. I watch the whole thing through my hands. Yes, and just sweating the whole time, nervous. <laughs> and I get it. Whatever people like are like, I really love watching horror movies. I love that whole experience. I go, I totally understand because that's how I am with like 
Jacques Cousteau movies and things like right. that. So yeah. I will be there opening weekend. Yeah. I'm, I'm the sorry. exact same way. I love that. I am fascinated by the ocean. I just have a great, deep respect and fear. Yeah, exactly. Well. exactly. Like, a healthy I, fear. Yes, yes. Like, look, it's that's not our territory, okay? <laughs> we, were, we were given the land, and the sharks are allowed to have the ocean. I, don't, I, I feel like we should just let them have it. It's why Jaws could be the best blockbuster of all time and yes. the, the uh, best horror movie of all yeah. time, yes. too. Easily, yes. you can make that and, argument. And it is horrifying, yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, the movie is called James Cameron's Deep Sea Challenge 3D, and this is... Uh, no, no, it's actually called Tyler Perry's James Cameron's 3D. No. <laughs> My bad. I, Tyler I Perry presents <laughs> James Cameron. <laughs> Tyler Based Perry presents James Cameron. By... <laughs> Whatever. All this footage was shot um, when he went to the Marianas Trench uh, a couple years ago, I believe. So this is going to be pretty interesting, I have a feeling, in 3D especially. Knowing James Cameron, yeah. so look forward to that one. That Very one just cool. that one just that news just came out today as well. So again, it's great to do a podcast yeah. uh, at the beginning of the week. So I a little bit love real, watching that, and then I will cry because I will yeah. never be able to go in the ocean again. A little bit more of um, subtitle news. I don't. This is a subtitle podcast, um, <laughs> I guess, for the first half at least. Uh, the long-awaited uh, third installment of the Hobbit trilogy hits theaters this December. And uh, Peter Jackson has uh, changed the name of that. <laughs> I think he's changed a couple names already um, before this. So it was going to be called The Hobbit There and Back Again, uh-huh. which is what the book, I believe, third part is called. Um, mm-hmm. He has changed the name to The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. So um, I guess we know what's going to be in the, <laughs> the yeah, Hobbit yeah. film. Not a lot of uh, suspense there, sure. Yeah. That's clearly a... A ticket seller like name change, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there and back again. Like that's just not appealing. Like that sounds right. like they're just going to be walking like they've been doing for the past <laughs> seven <Yeah>. films. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm 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 really excited to see Smog like actually do something in this movie. Like Desolation of Smog was a pretty a a pretty misleading title. I felt right. for the last film. Considering we just get a tease of the desolation at the end, which I, I hope that the um, Battle of Five Armies will be will start off with Smaug wreaking destruction, and then the battle ensues, which is going to be epic. I'm sure. I'm really looking forward to this third installment. I really yeah, am. It, me too. It, it's uh, been a nice slow build this time. Yeah. Um, Not overhyped. Yeah. Know, just kind of quietly releasing these movies, and they're great. And they make a ton of money. They just they just don't yeah. get, take, get a lot of attention, which is fine. You know, I I don't think uh, I don't want to be beat over the head with more more Tolkien, really. But I want these movies to come out. I just the culture of it um, is what I'm sick of, not the films. What do you think, uh, Brian, about this? Yeah, I'm stoked for it. Um, I did, I thought the uh, second Hobbit movie was was my least favorite of all the uh, the Jackson uh, Lord of the Rings Tolkien Hobbit movies. Um, but this one this one definitely has the potential to be. Certainly much more action-packed than either the previous two Hobbit movies have been, um, on, and the title definitely uh, lends itself to that. So this one will be a lot for, for, the, the, for the people who were fans of Lord of the Rings but have found the Hobbit movies to be uh, boring or, or what have you. This, I think, will be the, the remedy because there's going to be a lot of action in this one for sure. So we've been talking about uh, summer movie season and summer blockbusters here, and we're about to talk about – 
uh, big blockbuster in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, one of the biggest blockbuster directors who has been absent from summer the past couple years, uh, maybe be, is getting back into the summer game. Uh, Steven Spielberg has announced his new project. Have you guys heard about this? No, I have not. This is going to excite you. It really excites me. You can just say Spielberg's name and I get excited. Right, so. right, exactly. Physically. Yes. <laughs> so Steven Spielberg is going to do an adaptation next. He's doing a childhood um, classic by the great author known as Roald Dahl. Ooh. And so coming in a few years, Steven Spielberg presents the BFG, or Big Friendly Giant. Okay. So, so thoughts on that? I honestly don't. I don't know that I've ever read that book. I was a big Roald Dahl fan when I was uh, in elementary school, but I don't. I don't remember that one. So yeah, I've read that one, but don't remember it well. Uh, I saw this item last week. I think those two, the kind of Spielberg family brand and Roald Dahl, will I think blend together pretty seamlessly and wonderfully. I'm I'm excited for that. I'm uh, I'm under the mindset that any Roald Dahl property needs to be a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> I would love to see a Wes Anderson like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. How awesome would that be? By the way, that's a yeah. di- that's a subject for another day. Bust out the white face pimp, Depp. We're doing a sequel. <laughs> Never mentioned Johnny Depp, but okay. Uh, I, I that, that's your I just, fantasy. Is the Johnny Depp <laughs> returning He's doing to the, the role? Great Glass of- Elevator. Yeah, and directed by Wes Anderson. More white face paint though, and it smears all over the elevator. There's, that's a little spoiler for you. I think this is a record, guys. <laughs> Four weeks in a row mentioning Johnny Depp white face paint <laughs> in somewhat relevant fashion. I think that's it's pretty impressive. Well, so let's keep it going. So I've been wondering uh, when Spielberg is going to return to sort of his fantasy roots. Yeah. Of of days past of the 1980s, uh, E.T. Indiana Jones type stuff, and uh, I think this might be the right project. I, I don't know if this is going to be all live action or if it's going to be a, a CGI live-action hybrid or all mocap or what, like they did with Tintin. I really don't know the direction here, but uh, I think the potential of a sort of fantasy-style style story with uh, Spielberg attached is a sign of good things to come, I guess, for Spielberg. Yeah, well, we're in the middle of like an uncharacteristically long um, spell without a Spielberg movie. Sure. 2002. I mean, Lincoln was the last movie he did, and he doesn't have anything on IMDb, at least as far as like he's working on this, except for the BFG, which is 2016, and Indiana Jones Five, which hopefully will never happen. <laughs> um, so it, this that's a it's a strange it's a strangely long period of time for him to go without pumping something out. Yeah, there was. Talks for a while that he was going to do Robo Apocalypse, right? Yeah, which was right. supposed to be like next year or the year after. Um, yeah, he, he was on and off of that project for a while. I think he wanted Chris Hemsworth to do it, but Chris Hemsworth couldn't do it because of Avengers and all his other stuff. And he's doing a couple Ron Howard. He did a couple Ron Howard films in the meantime and stuff. Yeah, and uh, they think that was the only one Spielberg wanted and just never worked out. And then Spielberg picked up um, American Sniper, the Chris Kyle yeah, story. Yeah. And developed that script and cast Bradley Cooper to play Chris Kyle and everything and handed that project off to Clint Eastwood, who is re- doing that movie right now. So I think that would have been a cool movie with, with American Sniper. I, I think Snipe that with chair. War- <laughs> Snipe that chair. <laughs> with War Horse and Lincoln like back-to-back, I think 
he wanted to step away from a political, another, you know, yeah. sort of political film yeah. and uh, go straight to his roots, I think. So this is definitely seems like the right project. But I want to see Spielberg come back to summer movies. You know, yeah, I, I agree. really do. I, I would have liked to have seen him do Robopocalypse, which is a terrible title. But um, I read that book. Um, and it is, it's, it's a lot like World War Z, the, the book, anyway, it's a, it's an oral history basically. Um, and I thought he would be really good at doing that and Hemsworth, obviously we love him. So he would have been fantastic as well. So I'm a little disappointed that he didn't end up going that route just because it's been not counting the, the, uh, Indiana Jones movie that doesn't really exist. I mean, it's been almost 10 years since he did that sort of a blockbustery summer movie. So that would have been cool to see him do. Um, but BFG Definitely. sounds good. I'm looking at the descriptor on uh, Wikipedia and I still don't know if I've read this one or not, but uh, yeah, looks cool. Richard thoughts on this at all. I mean, uh, uh, just to echo you guys a lot. Yeah. I would love to see, I haven't had a big Spielberg movie since man, I can't even remember the last big, su- I mean, Maybe War of the Worlds. The Worlds yeah, I was going to yeah. say and that's 10 years ago, About eight 2005, years ago? I think. Yeah. So coming up on 10 years ago, so, uh, yeah, let's, I don't know. BFG is probably more, I'm trying to think. I feel like it might be kind of his version of Hugo. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I don't know if it'll be summer blockbustery in the classic sense instead of more like big family movie. But uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know that much about Robo-Pocalypse. Robo I know he's been circling it for years and keeps saying he's making it and then does something else instead. Because he's supposed to do it before Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see him, you know, handle something. But yeah, we'll, well, Lincoln was a project he started like in '99, and it took till I don't know what it was it 2012 till that movie came out. Yeah. yeah. So give Robo Apocalypse eight or ten years yeah. uh, to get to get worked out. I'm sure that'll that'll happen eventually. So uh, Spielberg um, is returning to his fantasy roots also as a producer. Uh, Richard Donner has come out in the past few weeks and said yeah. he is developing a sequel to Goonies <laughs> called Goonies 2, and Spielberg has said he is producing it. So this is, this is a real project. It's not just Richard Donner drunkenly uh, talking about movies again, <laughs> which I'm sure they get, he gets caught doing a lot. So may, possibly original cast returning, I've heard. Uh, I can't see how at all this would be anything worth seeing. No, um, no. But what are y'all's thoughts on this? I love The Goonies. The Goonies is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I have—I'm uh, not ashamed to admit that one year for uh, vacation, what I did was was uh, trek up to Astoria, Oregon, and go to all the Goonies shooting locations oh my um, from oh my where gosh. they filmed. Went to the jailhouse, like the whole nine yards. <laughs> I mean, it was—it was, and and it was awesome, man. Like I was just super stoked. I did the same thing in Albuquerque from MacGruber, so I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that said, there does not need to be a Goonies sequel. Um, and most of the cast has not acted since the Goonies, so that's not a great sign. Um, I, look, doesn't doesn't need to happen. Will I see it if it does? Yes. But do I want it to happen? No. <laughs> I, I feel the exact same way, Brian. Uh, this is... <laughs> Possibly the most unnecessary sequel they could have done <laughs> yeah, yeah. in like both of their, you know, filmographies. Uh, I can think of every Spielberg film I'd want to see a sequel to uh, rather than this one, um, even production wise as a producer. <laughs> Richard Donner, same way. Uh, this is, man, 
Corey Corey Feldman or yeah, wow, no, yeah, it's Corey Feldman. Uh, Josh Brolin uh, would be cool. Josh Brolin's great. Still got Sean Astin and, yeah. and Martha Plimpton. But then after that, it's like uh, the kid who played Chunk was the student body president at at uh, at Cal, and he's a lawyer now and skinny. So that's yeah. What's the point? Uh, you just hire Melissa McCarthy to play that role. <laughs> A lot of pratfalls. It'll be, uh, it'll be hilarious. <laughs> uh, Richard, thoughts on this Goonies sequel? I've never seen the Goonies, so there's my thoughts. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You can log off now if you want. Go watch it. <laughs> no one would mind. I think you'd do yourself a service. Yeah, so that's my big bombshell for the day. So the I don't know. Is, you won't like it. That's that's the worst part. Like, if you didn't see it yeah. at a at a younger age, it's not. I, I showed it. My wife had never seen it, and I, I made her watch it four or five years ago, and she did not get it at all. She didn't like it. Yeah. Like, there are a couple movies like that from my cool. childhood. Like, uh, Goonies is one of them. Uh, Hook is another. Like, yeah. best movie of, of all time when you're nine years old. <laughs> when you're 26, uh, Hook is not, not necessarily the same film. <laughs> Hook, is, Hook is really a weird movie. It is. Yeah. yeah. Like, right? Just structurally. Yeah, yeah it the is. The plot is really odd. It is. And it's, uh, it's a pretty big achievement when you go back and look at it. Yeah. Like, the practical sets that they that they use in that film is pretty impressive. <laughs> like the entire Never Never Land is a set. Like that would yeah. never that would never happen ever again. That might be the last movie that ever did that. He did like Jurassic Park right after Hook, uh-huh. and that, that's when everything changed as far as computers. But man, Spielberg, it's good to do see some him movies, back, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Next time he actually has a movie come out, we need to do like a Spielberg episode and we'll try to. Try to all watch all of his movies and, and uh, like rank them or something. Go go all Spielberg the whole way. By the way, sure. I call dibs on American Treasure Steven Spielberg uh, in the coming <laughs> weeks. So look forward right. to that, guys. I want to mention one TV bit before we move on, guys, and talk Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, the Simpsons is making its way to cable later this year. I don't know if you guys have heard this news. It's coming to FXX. Um, FX's new sister channel, and um, they're bringing all the episodes to cable for the first time in syndication, and all the episodes will be available to stream on their app, FX Now, um, starting this August. And uh, they're kicking things off, guys, with a 12-day Simpsons marathon. Nice. So uh, 12 solid days of nothing but Simpsons on FXX. That's the hardest name to say (laughs) on all TV. Um, starting this August, man, that's going to be exciting. What are you, what are your guys' thoughts on seeing all 522 episodes of the Simpsons back to back? Are you guys going to try to, st- I'm going to try to stay up. I'm not, I'm not going to sleep. Gosh. We should podcast it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I, Simpsons is very formative in my, uh, in my life and I, I don't watch it hardly ever anymore. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a huge deal for me from ages, Probably around age seven to about fourteen or fifteen, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I think this will be good. I've been kind of looking for a reason to go back and rewatch, especially kind of the classic seasons. So I think this will this will certainly help. Like I'll probably be all about days two through seven of that twelve day marathon. Yeah, exactly. Brian, thoughts on this? I'm super stoked. I I haven't actively watched The Simpsons in. Well, surely over 10 years now, but uh, 
just such a important show for for us. All of us love comedy quite. I mean, obviously, hopefully, right. you're, you're hopefully the listeners are laughing at most of the ridiculous things that we say. Um, and The Simpsons is a huge, huge influence on that. Um, and hopefully, on not TV. laughing at all the all the racist stuff that Ken says. <laughs> right. right, Ken says a lot of that yeah. they don't know about because I yeah. edited it out. Yeah, a lot <laughs> yeah. of hateful things. Right. Hateful things. Yeah, he's he. Ken is the main reason we'll never be able to live cast this thing. It's just yeah. it's uh, it's definitely not Richard or I. Um, yeah. But no, no, Simpsons is a huge. Could not be further part. from the truth. Go ahead. <laughs> Huge part of uh, of my comedic upbringing. I watched Simpsons in syndication every single day my freshman and sophomore year of uh, of college. We, my roommate and I, would we would both schedule our classes uh, and to where there would be nap time in the you know late afternoon, and both of us would would crash. And get up to watch The Simpsons before we headed out to, to dinner every night. Um, huge, huge part of my life. And I am really stoked to be able to watch. I, 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 I will not sit down and watch 12 days of The Simpsons like that. But now that it's going to be on demand, basically, I will watch from beginning to end. I'm going to watch the whole thing. And I am very excited. I've been wanting to do that for a really long time. And fill in all the gaps that I have on my, my Simpsons knowledge. Uh, so I'm, I'm stu- stoked that we're going to be able to do that now. That is such an endeavor. It is, and I'm really – but I have seen – how many episodes are there, Kent? Like 522, seven. probably 523 now with the with last week. So I bet I've seen – I bet I've seen 250 episodes. So there's and, – and I've seen plenty of them multiple times. So I'm really good at multitasking and having it on in the background while I'm doing other things. So that will be my background viewing for a month or – Right. Yeah. I, I'm the same way, man. I in the '90s, man. I watched The Simpsons religiously. Um, I'm not kidding. From WB33, baby. Yeah, from 2000, from year 2000 until now, I'm not kidding. Of the new episodes, I've probably seen 12. Yeah, I'm not yeah. kidding. In 12 yeah. years, I've seen or 14 years, I've seen 12 new episodes, and it's amazing. Like I watched it last week and the week before. Last week was. A Lego episode. I told you guys about it. Yeah. I didn't know about it, and I just started watching it, and it was just like the Lego movie, but it was a Simpsons episode. Um, apparently, they did it before the Lego movie came out or was going to come out because it takes – Simpsons takes like nine years to make an episode. Yeah. Um, but I suggest watching that episode if you haven't seen it. Um, Brick Like Me is what it's called. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, but it was amazing to watch it 10 years later and still be able to know every single plot line – Every single character, you know, like you don't yeah. miss anything by not yeah. returning to no. the show. And, yes. and there's not it's a really, lot of shows like that. There no, really there's isn't. no other shows like that. It's yeah. just like this kind of world you kind of look in on for 20 minutes at a time. You know, you know, so many like I can name so many Simpsons characters. There's so many first off, but, uh, you know, Otto and Smithers and, you know, Reverend Lovejoy and all these people yeah. I can I can uh, I can just spit out. And I always know their character quirks and why they're funny and things like that. And you can kind of hop in and out of it at any time. It's a, it's a, a really a uh, kind of uh, we use the term American treasure, but I mean it's it's up there really as far as like things we provided culturally over the last thirty years. I mean that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's it would be interesting to see where The Simpsons would be now if Family Guy had never come out. Yeah, it really yes. sort of overshadowed the Simpsons when it came out. Like South Park was always the show, like 
here's what you can do on cable with cartoons. And Simpsons is like, here's what you can do on network TV with cartoons. And then uh, Family Guy was like, all right, no, seriously, here's what you can do on network TV with cartoons. Like as far as like racy content goes, yeah. like they're like, what possibly can we do and get away with? It? So as far as like buzz and everything, people were talking about Family Guy like crazy. But it, I thought they were going to do a – for a long time, they had rumored to do a Simpsons network that Fox wanted to do a yeah, channel yeah. that would be 24-hour Simpsons. I think the app is their way of kind of compromising. Yeah, them. yeah, I, right. I, I agree. And uh, But that, that would have been cool too, Simpsons network. I would have for sure done that. And it would have been cool eventually. I know a lot of the contracts are with comedy or a cartoon network right now. Mm -hmm. In Adult Swim with a lot of the other shows like American Dad and Family Guy and stuff. But it would be cool to see an animation domination channel too mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. All the shows that have been on there for the past 10 years would be great, I think. I would watch that for sure. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, Skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Um, all right, guys. Well, let's move on, and let's talk about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I made a choice. This is my path. Soon, everyone in the city will know how it feels to live in a world without power, without mercy. All right, Brian. Yes. I'm going to have you kick things off this week. I saw your Yay. review that you posted on your website. Um, if fans want to go there and, and, and read that, I'm sure it'd be worth their time. I didn't read the article, but I did see the headline. Yeah. So I'm going to go off that review and ask you to give <laughs> us your initial thoughts on The Amazing Spider-Man 2. 
Yeah, I, uh, I think this is what I what I said in my my review that the general uh, synopsis of my opinion is that uh, it, this is the most frustrating franchise in all of the you know blockbustery sorts of of movies that we have going right now because uh, I did not really love the the Amazing Spider-Man from 2012. Um, I had a lot of a lot of issues with it. I really like the character of Spider-Man as as a superhero. I really I really like Peter Parker as a uh, an alias to the superhero, much more so than like Clark Kent or maybe even Bruce Wayne. Like I, I think it's a cool character. Um, this movie has just so many really really strong moments that work very well, um, but it completely lacks any sort of flow or momentum to the point where it's like every time you feel like it's getting going and you're really starting to get into it, it breaks down to do something that's really foolish and uh, unnecessary. Um, and just it just left me to where I never felt like I, I got into the movie, uh, if that makes sense. And, right. and, and by the end, I just come out just kind of throwing my hands up in the air because there's, you know, six or eight, sequences or moments within the film that are just, man, that's awesome. And they are really hitting, hitting it on point right now. Um, but they're almost always, they are almost always followed by a five or six minute stretch where you literally could not care less about what is happening on the screen. So I, man, I don't know. I, I was, when, when we rebooted this franchise only five years after the, the last one, the last, uh, iteration of this story ended, I didn't think that it was necessary, and and the first I, I rewatched the first one this week, and was again reminded of how just what a rehash the first hour hour and a half even of that movie is of the Tobey Maguire franchise, and just unnecessary it is on so many levels. Um, I think this is a definite step up from the first Amazing Spider-Man. It's going to get real confusing having to put all these like extra terms on everything, you know, yeah. the amazing Spider-Man versus Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man and all that sort of thing. Anyway, I, I, it's a definite step up, but I'm still not convinced that, that a, it's a franchise that we should be excited about. It's not getting that to me and B, I truly, we're two movies in and I still, I am not seeing anything that makes me feel like Mark Webb as director, uh, is doing what, is doing what he should be doing because this is not. I, there's a lot of issues here that I felt like come down directly to the direction and not necessarily being prepared to be in this sort of a of a world. He's great at movies like Five Hundred Days of Summer, but when it comes to an action movie, a summer blockbuster action movie, I just I'm not sure that he has what it takes to do that correctly for me personally. Sure, man. I want to echo what you said about. Mark Webb, the director. Um, to me, this film really just lacked motivation. It felt mm-hmm. like felt like he was just directing this just to get it done and over with. It didn't. He didn't feel. It, I didn't feel his the passion for the project that I wanted to feel from this type of film. I mean, this is a freaking Spider Man movie, man. Come on, bring it. It yeah. was very dull. Like it, was, it just wasn't fun to watch this movie. Like at least the Raimi ones. Like you, you go back and watch. Uh, I went back and watched the Raimi films with Tobey Maguire, and they're, they're not great, but they're fun, you know? <laughs> At least you can say that, well, um, 
you know, if the characters I don't like, but I mean, at least it's joyful to watch these movies. Uh, there's no, there's not really any joy here. It's, it's sort of, they're sort of forcing a dark um, storyline on these movies and this character uh, just because it's different than Raimi's. Like, no other reason than to be different than what has already been done. You know what I mean? Like, with Christopher Nolan's Batman, the, the change from Joel Schumacher to Christopher Nolan didn't feel forced. It felt so right. organic. And, like, that's, a, that's what it needed was a, you know, a passionate director to give it um, his take. But Mark Webb's obviously not the director for this franchise. Um, he is not doing the third one, thankfully, he has said. So, okay. So maybe it'll get better from here. But I agree with you there. Um, if you listen to our episode last week, I said that this wasn't one of my most anticipated of the yeah. summer, and it certainly didn't live up to my um, expectations, even though they were they were small. I think it was based around two action sequences. This entire movie, um, basically the first one, which is the introduction to Spidey. The first time we see him, he's flying down uh, from the sky. It's the, the, the iconic shot we've seen in the trailers. And then it goes into a, a sequence of him swinging around the city. That's probably the best sequence of him swinging around the city that we've seen mm. in these five Spider-Man movies. And then that's over, and we get you know Andrew Garfield, uh, which, by the way, his interpretation of this character – I could not dislike more than I do. Hmm. Um, it, you know, with Tobey Maguire, at least um, he is somewhat, you're rooting for him, at least, whether you, if you don't like him or not, you can at least root for the protagonist that he is in the story. Uh, I'm not rooting for, for Andrew Garfield in these. I really want to see him, like, get punched and stuff sometimes. <laughs> the stuttering and the jumbling of words is so, such a cringe. Uh, there's a scene here with Sally Field and him talking about, I don't even know, laundry or something. They're arguing about because Peter wants to do his own laundry. Like, why isn't this been established, like, when you're in high school, kid, or something? Like, are you <laughs> telling me that Aunt May hasn't done one, one load of your laundry? You haven't done one of your own in all that time? Uh, but, man, that scene was just them shouting at each other. And it, I honestly wanted to tear my ears off. And throw them onto the screen. <laughs> like, it was so, so bad. And, um, but his interpretation of the character, I understand Peter Parker is a nerd, okay? But he has to be a nerd that we can root for. <laughs> and he just seems like a douche, like a supreme <laughs> douche. Like, like, the fact that he's dating Emma Stone in real life just yeah. infuriates me. <laughs> that might, that's, that's probably the reason you don't like the character. I, no, I no. struggle from that too. Dude, My he love was for on, Emma makes me mad, makes me dislike him. Andrew Garfield was on um, the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon yeah. last week. And he was terrible. Just yeah. one of the most unlikable people of all time. Just super cocky, um, pretentious about everything. It just, he's just not, did not seem like a likable person. And granted he, he can't act in the right situation. Like, he was great playing somebody that should never run a big company, you know, <laughs> uh, in the social yeah. network. Um, and I think he can be used effectively in certain places. Like, I would rather take Eisenberg as Peter Parker any day Whoa. than Andrew Garfield. Only if he has some why. magic tricks. I just would. Um, but I don't, I don't know if he's the right casting choice, first of all. And um, second of all, this just isn't a great movie. Um, he doesn't grow as a character from the first mil film, really. I mean, the only way he grows 
is he switches from Bing to Google. So it's good to see he made that uh, change. <laughs> uh, but man, literally, this movie is just him flying around and, and fighting bad guys and, and arguing and, and just giving us more stuttering that we've seen in the first film. And um, the relationship with him and Gwen, of course, evolves, which we'll go into spoilers later. But above all, this is just more of the same from Spider-Man. They're, they're not taking this franchise into an exciting or necessary new direction, in my opinion. So, Richard, uh, what are your yeah. initial thoughts on this Amazing Spider-Man 2? So we should say that uh, the reason uh, they, they rebooted this and the reason they keep making these, and the same goes for the X-Men movies over at Fox, is these are joint properties owned. Uh, Spider-Man is, is Sony and, and Marvel and then X-Men being Fox and Marvel. And if they don't make the movies for a certain amount of years, they lose the rights. So if Sony doesn't make a Spider-Man movie for like six years, then it, it goes back to Marvel, and then we can add um, Disney and, and, and Marvel can make their own Spider-Man uh, movies. So that's why they keep just rehashing these contractually, right, yes. we should right. say. I know you guys know that, but maybe yeah. some of the listeners don't. Good call. And so uh, that's why these kind of unnecessary reboots, and we will... You can just bet on more and more. Kent, I do have some bad news for you. I'm looking this up right now. It does look like Mark Webb is, in fact, now returning. Really? Uh, and he wants the, the villain Craven the Hunter for Spider-Man yeah. 3. Okay. Um, Not good so, news. I heard he, he was he's trying yeah. to get out of the gig, but maybe this yeah. one made so much money. He's like, on second thought, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so all that being said, um, I had not seen – the first Amazing Spider-Man until this weekend. I, I just I had heard it was a rehash, and we weren't doing a podcast then, so I didn't have to see it, so I didn't. And so I watched it this weekend, so I spent a lot of time in this universe. I'll say a few things. Um, the the thing I didn't like, I grew up watching a lot of Spider-Man and reading a lot of Spider-Man. It was the only superhero I was really into as a kid because he was um, a small, nerdy kid with brown hair, and this is something I will always relate to. Um <laughs> But uh, so I, he was always my guy because I could like actually picture myself. I, you know, I'll never be Superman, right? And so uh, I would uh, encourage spiders to bite me and things like this. But uh, <laughs> so I always loved Spider Man. The, the biggest, the, the other reason I loved Spider Man is because he was he was funny. He was sarcastic. He always had a quip. Um, and I always thought that was the biggest thing missing from the Toby movies. He wasn't ever really funny. Yeah. He just was Toby Maguire. Yeah. Um, so. One thing I noticed in these is that they've added that back in and that Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man or uh, Peter Parker is very kind of quippy. Uh, but they seem to have taken it to this crazy, almost like maniacal uh, new level. Like there's no middle. He just makes jokes at like these really weird times and like yeah. um, he's just overly sarcastic and like dour and just like you said, kind of a, uh, a word that starts with a D. And uh, there's there's – just a lot. Yeah, you're right. And, and they took it too far to where the character is not likable. Another big beef I had watching this is Andrew Garfield is 30 and he looks 30. And so yeah. having like Spider-Man to me is so important that he's 18, 19, that he's young. Um, it's kind of important to the whole spirit of the character. So just he I, and I know Toby was a little older when he did it, but he at least looked young, even though he, I'm. Obviously, I've, I've said on this podcast before, I, he should retire uh, from acting. I've never been a fan. I think he has. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I don't think willingly, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, 
Garfield just seems too old. He has okay chemistry with Emma Rose, but I mean Emma Rose. That's my aunt's uh, dog's name is Emma Rose. Uh, <laughs> Maybe her too. I don't know. He might put them in a room together. He might. Emma's a sweet dog uh, with Emma Stone rather uh, has has excellent uh, chemistry with her. But who doesn't? Right? She's she's pretty lovely. Um, so yeah, this. So I. So like I said, I, I spent four hours in this kind of universe. It's so just obviously a cash grab. Like they're literally yeah, just yeah. making these movies so that they can keep making these movies and they can keep making money internationally. There's nothing interesting about them at all. Um, it's and you're right, Ken. It does have um, this kind of dark tone to it, uh, which is you know, Spider-Man's not Batman. Not everything is Batman. Yeah. I'm tired of everyone trying to make. You know, Batman is is interesting because it can go dark and has been pulled off not only by Nolan but by Frank Miller in this kind of dark world. Whereas, you know, I don't know if you can do that with with everything. Um, yeah. Like, except for obviously Green Lantern, which was a masterpiece of of that. So, um, you okay? Just yeah, I just, I just died. Sorry. <laughs> just, again, every time we talk about Green Lantern, all. All I can think about, two things, is you walking out of a midnight premiere, just <laughs> going to go home. I'm done. But the, not even, I should mention, I'm, I wasn't like upset by it like a freelancer <laughs> fan would be, right? Yeah. I just hate it. Yeah. She's like, okay. this is terrible. I'm out. But just the fact that Blake Lively is both a, a, a world-class fighter pilot uh-huh. and the president of, <laughs> uh, of a, a world-renowned uh, defense, organization. defense organization. Yeah. So, sorry. Ken, have you seen it yet? You know what? I I told you guys, I know, I, I had T-voted it on, it was on Showtime or FX or yeah. something. I had T-voted it, never got around to watching it. You, um, you have to watch it. I know I have to, and I've tried to. I just can't bring myself to physically do it. <laughs> You're going to have to bring it over and physically sit me down, lock me in a room, and we'll watch it. I would watch it, you know, again, you know – we talked about doing like live podcast over movies um, with kind of like our own director's commentary. That would be a, a strong contender for, for number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that now you see me, but I honestly, Greenland is a lot worse than now you see me. I, I made it through. Now you see me. I'm going to have to watch it before next year or two years when we do the justice league thing. Mm. Cause they are bringing it back. Uh, I don't know. If it'll be, they don't know yet, or they haven't figured it out who Good. it's going to be yet. Well, maybe they can find somebody else equally as great. But guys, Matt Damon might be the Flash, so Stop. got that to look forward to. No joke, Stop by it. the way. We'll talk about that uh, next week or something. You're better but, than this, Matt. But what are your any more thoughts on initial thoughts on this, Richard? Yeah, so I like Sally Field. Brian hates Sally Field. This is yep. something one of our yeah. non two sides things. She's like uh, just in this, right? Yeah. Right. Like there's no like I don't understand why you would pay the Sally Field quote when you could get she <laughs> anyone. She, she fully admitted to have never seen the last one. <laughs> yeah. Like somebody was asking her in an interview, so Amazing Spider Man, this is cool, right? She's like, Yeah, I guess. And they're like, <laughs> I she's like, I guess, what do you mean? She's like, Well, I never saw the last one, but I'm sure it's it's fine, <laughs> you know? Like we, even we she should. knows that this is just a throwaway, like Mm. cash grab it really just is mark webb must have told her that like listen just do this we'll pay yeah. you what you want just add some credibility to our cast or something like that Definitely. She, she she is totally pointless in this movie really i mean she's uh the the aunt may uncle ben peter parker story is pretty integral to the origin story of spider-man mm-hmm. 
Right. But uh, she's After really that. random in this. It really seems yeah. forced. She does have one of the best moments in the whole film. Like the bit with when he, when she sits down with him and is kind of going off and then ends up telling him stuff about his father and stuff. Like she's really good. And I hate Sally Field. So saying that, yeah. <laughs> you know, but the rest of the movie, like every time they show her, like especially towards the end where she's just a nurse. They're just cutting back to her. I mean, completely yeah. and totally yeah. pointless. Yeah. So yeah. we should talk about the villains. Yes. Um, so uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, where, where do you guys want to start with the? With, I want with- to start with Dane DeHaan, mm-hmm. who is not a fan. Really? Yeah, I freaking love Dane. De- this kid. I don't well, know. I this kid's got. I don't something, like man. his look. He scares me. Exactly. <laughs> this kid can bring it, man. He um, is he, he human? Man, it's the <laughs> He's thing. From the forest. It's the no whole part. thing. Like why? Why in Raimi Spider Man One did they put a mask on Willem Dafoe? Most yeah. perfect Green Goblin candidate right there. Like I know it's I know in the comics it's a mask. Everyone's gonna email in and say anything the mask in the comics. <laughs> but who why would you do that? The guy is a goblin. Like it's the yeah. perfect casting choice and to, to ruin that is disgusting. So here, same thing. I'm glad they went with the natural no mask look. I think he was the most interesting person in this movie to me. Um the the way the way the direction they're taking Harry Osborne is Way better than they took it in the Raimi films. With, oh, with Elsa Franco. having Franco. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's it's night and day compared to what it was. So that's, that's wrote, what I'm comparing it to. They wrote for him horribly though, because I'm with you, Kent. I really like Dane DeHaan a lot. I've seen him in a lot of stuff that he is he is very good in. There are cringeworthy moments within this film. Oh yeah, just with him, and I I don't think it's him so much as it is like he's delivering lines that were written by a seven year old. Yeah, and that and it and it is. It is painful to watch to watch that transformation. Oh, okay. So I, hold on, real quick. I'm looking. This is just uh, nonsense, but I'm looking at Dane DeHaan's like IMDb or whatever, and yeah. then I looked at his wife, and I was like, she looks really familiar, and I'm scared of her face too. And uh, she was Lakshmi on Mad Men, the the Hare Krishna girl. Oh, okay. You know how okay. she's kind of scary looking too. They're gonna have some really. Attractive but terrifying looking children. Continue. Sure. Jamie Foxx. Speaking of attractive and terrifying. Attractive children, by the way. Jamie Foxx's yeah. daughter. Wow. Anyway. Is she? Yeah. Okay. Holy Look that up. Google that. All right. Um, so what are y'all's thoughts on this Electro character? I, I like the direction they took it compared to the comics when he's just a guy in a suit, like a yellow and green suit that looks horrible. I like they made it more of organic. Um, but it's sort of cliche, the plot line with the renewable energy source that can power the world forever. You know, that's the most superhero-y, villain-y plot line of all time. So I'm kind of glad to see um, Electro's fate uh, be determined in this film. Um, I don't know about y'all. What did y'all think of Electro, Brian? It just completely wore me out. Yeah. I, I don't know. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is an interesting – Definitely. An interesting career to delve into because it's like every time he gets big, I hate him. And yeah. I want nothing to do with anything he does for half a decade. And then he comes back with something like <laughs> Collateral or Django or something like that where he's just fantastic. Ali. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Um yeah, I did not. He cashes in. Like, he gets the critical acclaim, and then he's yeah. like, all right, I got two years 
Let's fit as many movies as I can fit in right. these next two years and make as much. I mean, there's something kind of ad- admirable about it. But right. I'm a huge fan of stealth, so watch yourself. Well, guys, <laughs> he has Annie coming out later this year. Oh, so please kill me. He'll return um, to the glory days. So. Gosh. No, I, I don't think – I don't think that the problems that I'm about to mention are are Jamie's fault. I thought, I mean, he was fine in a, I mean, he's his face is on screen for like six minutes, right? Because then he's yeah. just blue. It looks like uh, Doctor Manhattan from uh, right from uh, Watchmen. But um, I thought that that character was awful, and I didn't, I did not, I thought the, I think a lot of the film's issues spawn directly from their handling of that character, and this may take us to something different, but. The score for this film is one of the worst of all time. Like <laughs> I, I was just perpetually. I went and saw it with a big group of friends, and and me and the, the two guys sitting next to me were just constantly like looking at each other, like what's what's happening with this score? And a lot of it centered around his character. Like he's getting electrocuted and eaten by eels and all this horrible stuff that's happening to him, and and the music playing behind it is like something out of Curb Your Enthusiasm almost. It's just, <laughs> it's just, I mean, just like super upbeat for what's happening on screen. It made no sense to me whatsoever. I, I just had, a, I thought the movie itself had a whole issue with tone and finding its identity and all that, and a lot of it centered around. Electro, but it's just such a nothing villain. And and again, when when the Spider Man, we're at what is this five <laughs> films now? Yeah. When Spider Man is good, it's because the villain is really good, and that's Spider Man Two. Doctor Octopus is an awesome villain, and that's by far the best of all the the Spider Man movies to me. Um, well, Topher Grace was, <laughs> and yeah, but. This was just such a lame villain, and it just felt like a placeholder to move you on to Hobgoblin or Green Goblin or whatever Harry is going to turn out to be. I don't. I'm. I'm not really sure. I mean, comic book wise, he's supposed to be Hobgoblin, but I don't. They were playing it more like Green Goblin. I don't. Know, whatever. Let's throw a spoiler alert out there now that we're going to start diving. Yeah, into spoilers. This. Spoilers yeah. from now on. Spoilers. I just. I don't know. I, the villain. This this whole movie just feels so so overstuffed. And when you have the main villain, just feels like, uh, you know, like a bridge to get to another villain or another whole series of villains. Then that what's the what's the point? What's the point? There's no, um, there's nothing to draw you into that character. And I also felt like there was a whole bunch of like logic leaps with his, uh, with that character. If if he can just dematerialize and rematerialize somewhere else in the in electro form then how is spider-man even getting the webs connected to him like that doesn't make any any sense they made him too powerful too fast and then they spray water on him brian come on i know that made sense to me but like (laughs) in the final battle if he can just like literally run through an outlet in a wall and disappear somewhere else then then there's no way that a guy who jumps around and shoots webs out of his hands can can actually combat that. You know what I mean? Like that's a yeah. that's a major jump to a place where you, you you're you've got disproportionate hero to villain. So I, that's super nerding out. But regardless, I just I I don't know. I did not care for that character, and I didn't feel like it fit what they were trying to do throughout the the movie as a whole and now the franchise. Yeah, you mentioned bad writing earlier, mm. and I'm convinced. That the plot point of it's it's Jamie Foxx's character's birthday. Ugh, <laughs> it's only his birthday in the film 
so that when he's fighting Spider-Man, he can utter the phrase, it's my birthday, time yep. to light my candles. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. That was the most Mr. Freeze <laughs> Batman and Robin line I've heard <laughs> since that movie. In Seriously. a superhero movie. That, Seriously. That was awful. The fact mm. that that made it into the script and Jamie Foxx, like himself, agreed to say the line into the microphone so that it could be used in the film is appalling. <laughs> it's so – there's no reason for that. It is just – it's too comic booky. If you're going to go dark, don't go comic booky. It just doesn't work. Um, man, there are some other issues here, like the fact that Peter Parker just now – thinks to open the briefcase that was his dad's <laughs> from eight years ago when yeah. his dad died <laughs> hey maybe i should look inside of this <laughs> like he opens it once in the in the first film and pulls out a picture right. from a newspaper we don't see it again and we see it because and then peter parker so confidently in the first one is like there's nothing in this thing without even looking oh. in it <laughs> right. and then finds all this important information in, it, in right. the second film yeah. <laughs> like that leads yeah. to like why he's Spider-Man and like what all this is about. Like the fact that he didn't think to look there um, earlier is dumbfounding. Um, what else? Oh, the beginning of the film, the, the opening scene, Ugh. by the way, which is Richard Parker and, and his wife on an airplane, which is crashing. So, the, so he goes to upload this information, the secret information to a server before – with um, a computer that somebody was invented can get in 2013. By yes, the yes. <laughs> with with a with the Sony bio. By the way, Sony guys, Sony sponsors this movie yeah. and made this movie. I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed that, but thought I'd point yeah. that out. But so he's uploading the stuff, and then they get in this. He gets in this huge fight with with the with the co-pilot who's hijacked the plane, and the guy closes the laptop, and then the plane starts to crash. Like the door flies off, all the windows are busted out, and it's heading to the ocean. He reopens the laptop. <laughs> continuing to upload the stuff as the plane is going down and it somehow magically works and, and is able to keep a internet connection or whatever technology they're using the entire time. Like the logic leap there right from the beginning of the movie, first two minutes. I was like shaking my head. I'm like, God, this is, this is not what's happening <laughs> in this movie. Um, there's, there's some other stuff, man, that I can, I can mention. By the way, I want to mention the priority mail commercial. Featuring Spider-Man that has been airing uh, way more visually appealing than half the stuff in this movie, by the way. So so props to the people who who made that priority mail commercial featuring Spider-Man. But what are, what are your eyes other other issues with the film, Brian? Any? Oh, goodness. I've, I've uh, got one. Yeah, go, Richard. Um, not enough dashboard like the Raimi uh, series, dashboard convention, confessional songs. You oh, know, yeah. Vindicated. I forgot about that. <laughs> I thought classic. that would make a comeback. And yeah. no, no, not enough Chad there. Kroger, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, but we did get a sweet montage where he puts up a bunch of photos backed by a Philip Phillips song, which is the <laughs> worst. That was the worst scene in the movie. I, I seriously almost walked out. Well, I mean, all these what? Spider-Man movies have such bad – like Dashboard, know. Nickelback. The third one had that like weird where he goes emo temporarily, but it plays Whoa. like what does it play? I haven't I haven't seen I that can't since remember. I saw it. I know what theater. you're talking about. That's when yeah, I turned it off when his hair turned black and he did a he did an emo hair flip in the movie, by <laughs> yeah. the way, in Spider Man three. In Amazing Spider Man one, we get a um Peter discovering his power sequence set to Coldplay's Till Kingdom Come. <laughs> which by the way, Coldplay, great band, Till Kingdom Come. One of the slowest and most boring songs that they've have, ever had. So, and he's like doing, he's like exercising to it and stuff. 
makes literally no sense. But that's that's how I felt about this Philip Phillips one too. It just did not Gosh. did not fit at all. So bad. So bad. So bad. Um, There's man. some stuff that I like with this new series, like the fact that Peter Parker has organic or non-organic web shooters, and it's an actual device that shoots the webs. I think that's way better than the Tobey Maguire. Hey, I'm bitten by a spider, so now I have web glands in my wrists um, <laughs> scenario. I didn't really agree with that one. I did not know that that was such a hot topic issue until yes. I, I wrote my review about the first Amazing Spider-Man and and uh, fanboys tried to murder me in my home because I, I liked the uh, I, I liked the I grew the web glands better than the I created this because I'm so a genius. Um, but fanboys do not agree with that statement whatsoever. Well, he, take, he takes the Oscorp technology and, and makes it and puts it into a device. That's what he does yeah. here. Yeah. I like the glands too, Brian, just because when I used to watch the cartoon as a kid, uh-huh. um, they did a lot of drama about like, oh no, I'm running out of web. Yes, yes, like They yes. built in a lot and it was always frustrating. Like, pack more. <laughs> yes. Yes. You always have this problem, Peter. Every day I watch you after third grade, and come on, so I like the web glands, so like I didn't have to worry about that during the movie, right? Um, but I'm, I guess to traditionalist, the uh, sure, sure, the aerosol cans full of webs that yeah. he keeps on him is is better. Yeah, no, but can't, there is stuff that there there is stuff that's good in this that that's that's I don't want to feel like I don't want it to just be we're just like I said the the the. the some of the action sequences are are fine. Um, yeah. Overall, it's shaky cam central during, especially the electro and the plane crash sequence. Right. But the stuff of him swinging, yeah, especially in three D, is fantastic. Like it's the best stuff we've seen from Spider Man is on that angle. But that's mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, just make it, make that for two hours and and I'll right. be fine. But every yeah. like you said, everything in between is is bad. It just is. Um, I didn't mind. I'll say this: I liked. I I very much liked the chemistry between Emma Stone and and Andrew Garfield and, and their characters. I felt like that was a strong point of the movie. The the first Amazing Spider Man. I felt like they really underutilized Emma Stone badly and just made her character just a very typical. Uh, female character in a superhero movie, and this one, I don't know how good the writing was for her, but I felt like she kind of made the role her own and really stepped up. And I, I felt like the chemistry between them was was good. And I will say, to a point you made much earlier, um, you're right. Can't he's uh, Peter Parker? The the Andrew Garfield version of Parker slash Spider Man is not a likable character, but the one thing that I did prefer in this movie versus the last movie with him is I didn't feel like they tried to make him a likable character. Um, I felt like the writing was a lot more geared towards like Andrew Garfield seems like he's kind of a tool in real life. Yeah, that's um, the and, thing. It, and this was geared to make to to toward that. So I felt like it, it at the very least. Um, I enjoyed the the sarcastic, uh, wisecracking nature of what he's doing more so than I did the super sympathetic. I'm just a nerdy high school kid that we got in the in the first one yeah. that didn't feel genuine at all. So I will say that's at least like a step up for me as far as like okay, look that didn't work. Let's just go with what he's good at, which is kind of being a tool, and we'll make that we'll make some enjoyable moments out of that, even if you're not necessarily rooting for his character the way you would in, in a typical yeah. comic book superhero movie. And I thought that, I think that's a strength. If you, if you recognize your weaknesses and you, and you try to play to something that you're better at, then at least that shows some sort of growth as 
as a filmmaker and as a film, and and I I appreciated that much more so than I did the way they tried to to play him the first time out. Yeah, I I can sympathize with that notion, but in my like I know Peter Parker is a is sort of a cocky guy, especially when he's Spider Man in the yeah. comics. He is a a wisecracking uh, dude, and I think that tone is captured perfectly in the first Amazing Spider Man, mm-hmm. in the scene where he's taking down like the the cat robber guy. And he's like, Oh, little knives. I'm so scared. You know, like that scene alone. And when he's in the cab is perfect. And, and so it's like, they try to double or, you know, spread that out across all these films. But I know like Andrew Garfield to me, like above all Spider-Man, the protagonist character in the movie has to be like somebody you can root for, like a likable person. I get that he's supposed to be a douche, but at least like be a douche as Spider-Man, but still be somebody with char- charisma. You know what I mean? Like, mm. Does that make any sense? Sure. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just my dislike for Andrew Garfield. That's how I feel that way. <laughs> but um, so we, we all love Emma Stone. But sad news: she dies at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess she won't be in the Amazing Spider-Man three or any other subsequent uh, Spider-Man films. I assume we will see. Mary Jane Watson, yeah. who is Shailene Woodley, who was in this film but was cut out. Right. Um, so I assume she'll have a bigger role in the next one if she can make her schedule work. She had to drop out, I think, because of divergent commitments. Like you, it was one of those you have to commit to one or the other type things. And this sure. already had Emma Stone. So well, and this and this was already like super overstuffed, so they yeah. really didn't need to cram in another character. So yeah. probably probably good thing for on that front. Yeah, so we'll have to see where that goes. We'll have to see where Felicia goes, the assistant to Harry Osborne, who is supposed to turn into Black Cat, I believe, uh, later. So this Just whole movie stop. We don't need yeah, this. This character. whole movie stop. exists solely to set up the next film, The Sinister Six. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that real quick. If you stuck around till the end, you see um, the ending ending credit sequence, and we get a, a sort of teaser of who the Sinister Six is going to be. By the way, Paul Giamatti needs to stop. Stop! Stop it! Stop Just it! Just stop! Ever- Just make make horrible. make one million dollar films the rest of your career, please. Oh gosh, he needs so to stop. much overacting. So yeah. much overacting. He's only in the movie for a minute and a half, and it is oh, it's painful. It's so bad. Uh, ten, this is ten, This is all speculation still, by the way. Nothing's been confirmed by the studio, so this is what fans are saying. So it's going to be Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin, the Rhino. Uh, it's going to be Dr. Octopus and Vulture, which we saw both of their gear in the movie. Uh, Craven the Hunter. Is that who you mentioned earlier, yeah. Richard? Yes, and, I did. Uh, either Mysterio or the Chameleon is going to yeah. be in it as well. And uh, so that's the last I heard about the Sinister Six. Did you guys hear anything different than that? You didn't hear anything about Topher Venom? You know what? I've heard that he's getting his own film forever. I'm not joking. (laughs) That they're going to do a Venom, give him his own, you know, deal. I can't imagine it being Topher Grace's Venom since they've already changed everything in the Spider-Man franchise. I don't know why they would rehash and go back to to him as Venom. But interesting would be an awesome Venom, by the way. He would. That would be great. Uh, side note: They haven't recast J. Jonah Jameson, by the way, the the head of Daily, yeah. the Daily Bugle, and the reason is because Mark Webb has said that J.K. Simmons's version of him in the Raimi films is so spot on 
that they literally don't know what to do with that character. They, they, he's right. Because <laughs> he's so perfect in those films. And yeah. they're thinking about just bringing J.K. Simmons himself back into they, this they world. Should. They absolutely should. Why not? Yeah. I don't see a reason not to. So, man, any other thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man, guys? Not looking great. Um, you know, this isn't really something that excites me more than the first one did. No. But um, maybe the third one will just be a total, like, like six villains against Spider-Man, and it's just one giant battle, and it's, like, not even <laughs> trying to be anything anymore, yeah. you know? Maybe it'll be Spider-Man 3, the Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah, there you be, go. Uh, it'll be pretty strong. No, I'm with you. It's... it's it, Nothing in these movies is is so bad that I don't ever want to watch them again. But they they keep me just interested enough to where I mean I went to see this one on opening night, you know, and, right. and I I probably will do the same thing with the next one, even though I really haven't uh, truly loved e- the finished product of either of these these two movies. And we're now ten years out from the last time that we had a, a really good Spider Man movie, so. I don't know. They're doing something right. They made almost $100 million, and, and uh, they keep me coming back. But I just – I don't know. It just could be so much better than it is, I guess. Yeah. Okay, guys. Time for grades. First up, uh, Richard Barton. Grade for Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. I would probably give this – man, I didn't even thought – normally I have my grade pre-planned. I would give this a C+. Plus. Cool. I'll go C plus too. I was going to say B minus, but I, I just don't know. After talking about it aloud and voicing my opinion, I can't, I can't go B. So C plus. Brian? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm higher on it than you guys are. The, the, the highs are, are enough to make it a, a decent movie for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the straight B. Cool. Well, I'm sure in a couple of years, guys, we will revisit this Spider-Man series and uh, maybe, who knows, In the future, we'll do some throwbacks of Raimi Spider-Man, if the fans demand it. So guys, let's move on, and let's talk Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. All right, guys, I will kick things off this week for Weekly Recommends. Uh, This past um, weekend was Star Wars weekend around here, or Star Wars Day, whatever you want to call it. I refuse to participate in said Star Wars Day activities, (laughs) but... uh, Around this weekend, I, w- I did watch a Star Wars documentary that I do want to mention. Um, I hadn't watched this in a long time. And uh, these are two documentaries that aired or were paired with the Episode 1 and Episode 2 DVD set. So the first one I want to mention is called The Beginning, Making Star Wars Episode 1. And this is an observational documentary released by Lucasfilm, mind you. That, that charts the making process of Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. And guys, guys <laughs> you have to watch this. It is like, the fact that they didn't see some of this coming is just dumbfounding. <laughs> like, Lucas solely like writes the movie just to add more crap in. Like, he blatantly oh. says, we are gonna, the main thing here is we're just adding everything we possibly can. And wow. uh, they, they set, like, a release date, and they're like, no matter what it looks like, it's going to be released on this date. So, like, there were parts of, of those movies, like, Lucas, when he wrote The Phantom Menace, like, his imagination went crazy. Like, the amount of different worlds and, like, things he thought of that literally you can't do, <laughs> what, couldn't do with the technology of the time, he was just like, oh, we'll do it anyway. We'll make it work. And, uh, like, the ILM people are sitting there telling him, like, dude, we literally can't do this. 
And he's like, well, you've got two weeks. So just whatever they did in two uh. weeks is what was in the movie. <laughs> and there are just, there's so many, so many examples in that of, like, they show the original audition tape of Jake Lloyd. And then, like, the, the two other kids that audition <laughs> for that Anakin part, and they're both tenfold better than Jake Lloyd. <laughs> like, uh. obviously better. And George Lucas is like, well, Jake's, uh, he's unpredictable. You just never know what's going to come out of his mouth. That's what I love about him. Like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what you want. <laughs> like, it's it, this whole this whole documentary. It's an hour long. This um, is in the Star Wars set, you said? It's on YouTube now, and I'm linking okay. it on the site. So you can, it's great to watch Sweet. on, throw it on YouTube on your Apple TV or Chromecast or whatever you do. It's it's worth watching. God, it is it is so interesting to see the the, the, the mindset behind these people making this film. And they screen the movie for the first time, and it's just looks of just horror on all their faces. Like, what the heck? How much money we just spent? This right. this movie doesn't work at all. And then so, and then they released that documentary. Like, it, it makes them look horrible through the entire thing. Wow. It makes George Lucas look terrible. So that one is called The Beginning, Making Star Wars Episode One. And the and the next one is on the Episode Two DVD, and it's called From Puppets to Pixels. Digital characters in episode two, and this is about the transition from um, film to digital, basically, and a regular costumed characters or puppets to CGI characters, and it revolves around turning Yoda into, from a puppet into a CGI creature. But you know, it talks about them as an industry moving forward and stuff, and it's the same deal. Um, so much of the stuff they're like, we, we literally can't do, and it's not going to look good, George. And he's like, I don't care, do it anyway. And it just looks terrible. And so that's another one, too. It's an hour long as well. So I've got two documentaries here about the making of the Star Wars uh, prequels that are very interesting. I had a great time watching these because I had never seen them before, to my knowledge, unless I saw them back right when the, these came out on DVD back in, uh, back in the day. So, guys, check these out. Fans, you're going to yeah. love this stuff. It's super interesting to watch. And just just to like think, man, what what were they thinking, you know, <laughs> type of thing. So so check these out. They're on our, once again. They're on our website, um, and they're on YouTube. So just go to our website and click Luke recommends and click the YouTube link, and it'll take you straight there. And uh, it's great great um, little uh, little tidbit for Star Wars fans to to check out. So that's my recommend. Very cool, guys. Brian. Yeah, I'm gonna. I a favorite movie of mine. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a random movie. Just came out on Blu-ray for the first time today. I uh, just ordered it from Amazon right before we got on the uh, podcast here. Um, my dad, growing up, well, still to this day, but especially when I was a kid, my dad was really into uh, war movies, um, which resulted in a lot of times where we only had one TV in the house, you know. And I'm just like, God, can we please watch literally anything else than? Then these movies that uh, that we watched over and over and over again. But one of his favorites and 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 one of my favorites that stuck with me is called uh, Memphis Bell. Came out in 1990, uh, and like I said, it's on Blu-ray for the first time this week. Uh, it's got a great cast, super 90s cast like Matthew Modine and Eric Stoltz, uh, Billy Zane, Sean Astin, Harry Connick Jr. Just all these guys who. At one point or another in the late 80s, early 90s, everybody kind of thought was going to be the next big thing, and none of them really turned out to be, but they got them all into one cast. Uh, it's about a, a group of, uh, of soldiers that uh, 
that that uh, run a a B seventeen bomber, and uh, they've got this one last. If they make this one last mission successfully, then they all get to go home. Basically, it's in the middle of World War Two, um, and it's a very eventful. It's based on a true story, very eventful stuff. And there's some of the there's footage intercut within the you know the the modern stuff of uh, of what had been recorded from an actual B-17 during World War II, during a couple of the sequences, which is kind of cool. Um, really good movie. It's probably a little, I haven't watched it in several years, so it's, it's probably a little, uh, there's a little bit of 90s schlock in it, but uh, overall, um, it's a really strong movie and, and uh, one of my favorites. I'm, I'm very excited to be able to add it in Blu-ray instead of the, the disgusting DVD copy of it that I have. That It's one of like, it's the Warner Brothers one, you know, that has the, the weird locking mechanism at the front of the DVD case, yeah. which I, I hate those so much. So I'm really glad to be able to get that off myself. But uh, if you haven't seen it, check out uh, Memphis Bell now available on uh, Blu-ray. Billy Zane, probably yeah, not, probably not a name we'll mention again on this podcast. Yeah, I hope you guys until enjoyed I, it until I nominate him for American Treasure, Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or until we talk um, Titanic, guys. That'll or be awesome. Zoolander. <laughs> or yes. Back to the Future. Which yeah. we will talk about in a couple weeks, but cool, cool recommend. I haven't seen that. I'll check it out. I'm I'm looking at it right now. It looks cool, cool DVD yeah. cover for sure. Uh, Richard, recommend. Yeah, uh, you guys know I went to that screening of uh, uh, of this um, documentary. It came out. Uh, it's now streaming online. They had some screenings last week before the release. Uh, the documentary covers uh, a few years ago Sam Mendes, who's directed uh, American Beauty and Skyfall. Some other movies as well. Um, got together with uh, Kevin Spacey to form this thing called The Bridge Project. And what The Bridge Project does is does classical theater with actors from um, both Europe and America. Then you you kind of uh, – you they started at the, the Old Vic in London doing uh, a play and then they started traveling the world. The documentary covers uh, the production. The production is my favorite play ever probably, uh, Richard III, and uh, by uh, a, a young playwright named uh, – Bill William Shakespeare, I think is his name. I don't know. Um, I think it's Bill. Shock- Bill Shakespeare. Bill Shakespeare. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Anyway, uh, it's really a fun. I can't wait for you guys to see this. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, it. It kind of intersplices these themes from the play and scenes from the play uh, with this kind of weird group of actors. Um, all of whom, you know, one of them is about to be made like a dame, this classical English actress. One of them's Kevin Spacey. One of them is a community theater actor from Ohio that's never been out of the country before. Uh, one of them is a Nigerian actor. Uh, you know, so it's like this really group, and they do this play for two years. They do 300 something performances of this play, all in London and San Francisco and New York and Sydney and um, the. Arab Emirates and like just Italy and all over the world. Uh, they do this play um, and it's really incredible to watch first off Spacey's performance, but then to kind of get to know these people as, as human beings and family and kind of get to see Spacey who's kind of a private person uh, comes off really well. Uh, like American treasure. Well, in this uh, documentary seems like a really yeah. funny, fun person to be around. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait for you. It's pretty quick too, hour and a half uh, in and out and kind of introduces this play, but also introduces uh, you know this kind of style of acting that we're is foreign to us the kind of opposite of movie star the the kind of you know you go to work every day and you you really carve out a performance and you do it over and over and over again and then kind of the theme of the movie is although this documentary shows parts of it the beautiful thing about 
uh, Shakespeare or live theater in general is once it's done, it's done. There's no, you never get to see it again. Those sets come down and it was, it was just a moment in time. You never really get to own it. And you have, and, and because of that, the audience is much more wrapped because you're kind of taking a video with your brain when you watch it because you'll know you'll never see it again, especially when it's done really well. And, uh, yeah, really cool little documentary. It's called Now in the Wings on a World Stage. Uh, is is and it's streaming. If you go, I think you go to kevinspacey.com or yeah. we'll link it on a, on our website. We'll and check link it out for sure. But yeah, Ken and Brian, you guys should both definitely check it out. I am for sure. Totally. I'm glad it's already out on on demand. I'm going to check that out now that I'm done with college for the rest of my life. Thankfully, yeah, congratulations. Woo. Done with my film degree, so maybe now people will start taking us seriously, but probably not. <laughs> not until uh, we start taking ourselves seriously. <laughs> exactly. But you I, are wearing a beret for all the podcasts now, though, right? Yeah. Well, I that's been this year since 2014 mm-hmm. that was my new year's resolution okay. wear more berets okay. but uh there is um a chance that i will see that by next week so ask me my opinion yeah, on it then, please, for sure please, yeah yeah let me know because i'd love i'm really love excited for, i'm a shakespeare nerd so i was it's tailor-made for me but i'm interested in someone who's 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 not or kind of beginning that journey yeah. i know you're psyched for Macbeth too so really yeah, uh, yeah. i'd love to hear what you say what you think for sure i will do that and brian let me ask you where can i find your work on the internet yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, or you can find me at osbornecorp.com. Kent, oh, on Twitter, you can find me at Richard Barton, by the way, not just Twitter in general. And Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you can find all of our episodes on the internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find weekly recommends on there, American Treasures on there. And contact the show on there as well. Just click contact, fill out the form, and it goes straight to us. We love hearing uh, fan feedback, and we'll probably give you a shout-out on the show if you leave something good. So on that note, guys, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.